0: Hey Cam. Hey Alex. Hey, what? So, what do you think the biggest bummer about this whole isolation period is, aside from like baseball being gone?
1: Uh, I, I don't know what you got. Uh,
0: I mean, for me, it's it's like, I, did you see the Olympics were getting rescheduled? Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that kind of sucks. I, I, I do have to admit though, I started losing interest in it whenever they banned the uh, the the elephant swim team. Yeah, they they just couldn't keep their trunks up.
1: (sighs) Make it stop.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast with your hosts, Riley's Rakes and the Big Chop Man.
1: Ayo! That's another
0: episode! Camp, can't, Cam. Whoa, whoa. What? That is not our show. Oh, right? yeah. That's, that's, that's Kenny. That's not a home nations thing. Can't, oh, yeah. Can't be stealing their material.
1: True, true.
0: Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to... Chatting average. My name's Alex. With me, as always, is Cam. How's it going, Cam? Well, shaking, vegan <laughs> How uh, are you doing today? Oh, not too bad, man. How about yourself? Uh pretty good, pretty good. I, uh, I I caught a little bit of heat on Twitter today, so that was a lot of fun. I uh, I, I saw I, that. I, I all all I posted seemed innocent enough. Was your daily reminder that Luke Jackson is an elite reliever. And Fair enough. that that took up a good portion of my day trying trying to deal with the clowns that responded to me. Try, I had one guy literally say that Luke single handedly cost us the entire season last year. Like, uh, how do you get uh, yourself into the mindset where you actually think that it doesn't make any sense to me?
1: What is it? What is it like to wake up every morning and be that wrong about things? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, I, mean, I, I, I figured we should come up with an appropriate way to, to, to resolve this. Um, so what we've done is we have rolled out our merchandise, and the first item you'll find is going to be a Luke Jackson is an elite reliever T-shirt that can <laughs> be found. <laughs> At www.teespring.com slash stores slash chatting average podcast. That's teespring.com slash stores slash chatting average podcast. Get your Luke Jackson is elite merchandise there along with all of your official chatting average podcast
1: gear. Yeah, uh, so Alex and I have been you know, working on this for a, a couple of weeks now. Our, our general idea is that we wanted to just put some stuff out there that if you felt so inclined to help support the show, we wanted to you know, be able to give you something nice that you, you would appreciate having. So we've got t-shirts, stickers, uh, canvas tote bags, hoodies, sweatshirts, coffee mugs. Uh, all, all of our designs are, are original to us, and we're pretty happy and excited about them. They're some pretty fun stuff, but check out that Luke Jackson shirt. I'm, I'm most Mostly, mostly happy with that one.
0: Oh, and uh, also wanted to shout out both of our patrons. Uh, this week we were re- we were able to upgrade our hosting service to give us uh, unlimited uh, capacity for storage, so we can stop watching how long our episodes are going. We're still going to try to keep them kind of easily digestible for you guys, because because I know. Three or four hour podcasts like Joe Rogan Experience stuff like that can be a little tough to uh, to listen to in one go. Yeah, but uh, that's really
1: cool, Alex. Have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> we,
0: we're we're supposed to be the 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 friendly neighborhood podcast. That that <laughs> you're killing me, Cam.
3: That's what you think.
0: <laughs> but no, seriously. Thank thank you very much to Dave Lynn. And Corey Lester, there uh, there are two patrons right now, and uh, because of their support, we were able to uh, to upgrade our our server. So um, thank you very much to them.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know that, that's something that we really haven't promoted a whole, a whole lot, but we're extremely grateful for the the couple of folks that have already uh, already benefited us through that. So thank you again for that, and we have some plans that we're working on, and hopefully we'll, we'll see those come along the way here in, in the next little bit. Yeah, hopefully you guys keep listening and uh, and we can keep growing because it's
0: been it's been a lot of fun so far. And uh, just to to spoil this one a little bit for you, a little bit later in today's episode, you're going to hear an exclusive interview that we recorded last night with Braves prospect Tucker Davidson. Oh yeah, really cool guy. I had a great time talking with him, and he he gives us some really interesting insights. So by all means, stick around till a little later in the show for that.
1: Yeah, super fun interview uh, with Tucker. Uh, extremely polite guy, just seemed really happy to, you know, to be on the show and have an opportunity and have have an opportunity to talk about his craft. And uh, you'll hear it in the interview, but Tucker really comes across a, as a humble kid who is very very knowledgeable about what he's putting together here uh, in, in his minor league career and hopefully soon to be a, a major league one. I. I tend to
0: think that he's kind of a big deal in terms of, of his progression, especially from twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen. But it's abundantly clear in talking to him that if he is a big deal, he has no idea how big of a deal he is. So no, not at all. Really refreshing to run into that.
1: Yeah, very very cool. We we definitely had a had a good time in that interview with Tucker.
0: But Cam, I'm I'm sorry, I've gotta I've kinda kinda take the energy level down here for a second. Uh, we are we are mourning a terrible loss this week. What? Yes, uh, we <sighs> guys, we've lost the XFL. It's gone. That <sighs> it, Alex. I was trying not to think about that, man. It's, it's gone. We have we have to talk about it. We have to she's talk gone. about it because that's the first step oh, to
3: moving. On. <laughs> she's she's I I
0: she's was gone. on board with the XFL from from day one.
1: I'm a okay, lifelong se- Dallas okay, Renegade fan, the, okay? The
0: second, the second day one, not not like the first day one. Boy, I was all over
1: that on that first Saturday. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I definitely I was-, was, <laughs> it, it was It was late February. There was nothing else on TV, and by golly, I watched some XFL football that weekend. Oh, for sure. I know that that first Saturday I
0: went to went to eat lunch at a, at a restaurant near the house with my wife and and I, I the of course we get to the table where the TV is positioned right over my wife's left shoulder <laughs> and so the entire meal she's watching
1: my eyes drift off towards the TV well it, it, it's kind of unfortunate I, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter today saying, oh well, this was to be expected though right and No, not really. This time around, it certainly felt like they had righted a lot of wrongs that they made in their first run. Um, They at no point were trying to be competition to the NFL. If anything, they were becoming a platform to the NFL, and it's kind of a shame that the current situation right now going on across the world was a detriment to that. So I, I don't know. It's, it, I, feel, I feel kind of sad to almost see it go because I feel like they had a good thing going there.
0: Yeah, and you, you, were, you were starting to see some of the players who had made a little bit of a name for themselves in the first few games of the XFL season sign with NFL teams. So for guys that, that were maybe a little bit removed from college and had kept working on their craft, that would have been a, a great way to, to get back into... Uh, a place where you could make it to the NFL, because right right now, I mean, we're it's if you're not uh, a premier college player, uh, odds are you're not going to make it. I mean, unless you're like an Australian rugby player who can kick the ball ninety yards or something.
1: Oh man, speaking speaking of guys like that, you ever seen the University of Miami's punter?
0: No, is he is is he one of those that like takes the snap and runs around for five minutes before he kicks it? I'm
1: not sure if he does an actual rugby-style kick or not, but if this is the guy I'm thinking about, this dude looks like he served about 20 years in a federal penitentiary before coming <laughs> to the University of Miami. That's, uh, it's rather appropriate, given my childhood memories of the University of Miami. Yeah, so uh, what, what's his name? His name is Lewis Headley. Um, he is from Australia, and he is tattooed pretty much from his earlobes down to his wrist. And it is... <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with tattoos, that's not what I'm saying at all, but uh, when you hear college... You gotta,
0: you gotta alienate a different group of people every single episode, don't you, Cam?
1: And I'm just here to light the world on fire, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't know, he, he definitely does not look like your uh, typical college student, but, and he's he's a big old boy, too, that's the thing, like, he's not your soccer player turned punter, he doesn't look like, he He definitely looks like he was a rugby player at one point. Huh. I, know, uh, I
0: I think was it San Francisco that that signed like the the biggest name out of New Zealand or something to come be on their punt team? Maybe, maybe a, a couple of those guys have made it to the NFL. And it's it's kind of entertaining to watch because when they're they, they take the snap and they run around for a little bit every time it looks like a fake punt.
1: Right. Well, what's neat is I think uh, I think either E60 or behind the line or outside the lines or, or one of those ESPN you know Sunday morning specials did a special one time on um, Australia's punting and kicking academy. And so over there, you know, organized football like we have here in America still hasn't quite caught on, but punting and kicking has. And so they have a clinic over there that is just pumping out guys that are now coming over to the U.S. and getting college play time.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, I think football is going to have to start getting creative sometime in the near future because major league soccer in the United States is is starting to to make some strides, and and football gets a lot of their their kickers and punters from soccer because they can't make money professionally right. playing soccer. But but we're getting to the point where where that's going to be a real option for those guys.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely.
0: Which, I don't know, I've heard rumblings about them maybe ditching kickoffs at some point. So, who knows, it might all just wash out and it doesn't matter.
1: You know, if if there's one thing to come from the XFL that I would like to see transition over in, into, you know, either college or professional football, it's the kickoff system.
0: Oh, their kickoffs were, were amazing.
1: So, it, it's odd to look at it first, but when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense as far as the safety standpoint of the game goes.
0: Yeah, no, it, it totally does. And it makes for a more compelling play. I, I remember reading about the process, like when they published all of the rules that were going to separate them from the NFL before the season began. I, I was reading about the kickoff and I just, I, I I, I guess I'd seen it one way my entire life. So I was having such a hard time picturing right. exactly what they were doing. But the, the first kickoff of the first game, it was just this, this, light bulb went off i'm like oh okay this is actually really cool and and could play in in any football setting
1: yeah it it is like i said it it definitely will throw you off the first time you see it but it just it just makes a whole lot of sense and I, i don't know i'd be excited to see that potentially make a transition over into into other forms of football
0: yeah well uh moving on from that did uh did you happen to catch wrestlemania this weekend yeah, I
1: did. Um, it, it, it's funny. My, so, my buddies and I, uh, you know, we all have families now. We all live fairly close to each other. Uh, in fact, the house that we usually organize at is just a few houses down from mine. So, you know, it, it's not a big deal for us to go hang out over there. But one thing that we always get together for every single year and have for at least 12 or 13 years now going on. Is WrestleMania? We, we just all grew up during the Attitude Era and during the quote Ruthless Aggression Era, watching wrestling as kids, and so now we still just get together and, and watch WrestleMania with each other. And this was the this was the first year, like I said, in twelve or thirteen years, we didn't get to do that. So it was kind of different. Uh, I don't know. I thought the show itself, the wrestling matches in a bubble, aren't weren't bad but i think it was just missing a whole lot of the atmosphere that that was the trouble yeah, with the whole I mean, show they it normally just, it... have
0: these events at, at football stadiums that that'll hold between yeah. 60 and 100,000 people and and it's just wild from from beginning to end and now they did it in basically in, in their what they call their performance center their their training facility a really small venue with kind of limited capacity for the the over the top staging that they're 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 used to doing for that so it it definitely lost some there but given the circumstances i I was i was pretty impressed at how entertaining of a show they were able to put on
1: yeah you know it, it was still fairly entertaining and the thing that i think kind of bummed me out the most about it was you get to see this great highly produced opening video package of you know all these wwe superstars you know and the whole the whole theme for those that don't know was kind of a pirate theme because the show was supposed to be uh in tampa where the buccaneers play so the whole show was meant to be this kind of like pirate dead seas sort of theme i wish we could o-
0: have gotten to see what they were gonna do with the the pirate ship that's that's at the buccaneers right. stadium well know and- that was gonna gonna play into the the set somehow
1: Right. And, and, and so that that was that was going to be my point is that we didn't get to see, you know, what they were going to do with that stadium, which is part of the cool thing of it is that, you know, every at WrestleMania, you've got this big, grand, elaborate stage that, you know, usually ties back into whatever the theme of the show is, you know, ties back into the kind of the brand of the show. And so we really yeah, didn't like get when to see they were
0: in New York, year. they would have like they would have a skyline set up and everywhere they go, they kind of pick little pieces of of the city to
1: tie into their set yeah so you know we, we kind of missed out on that the one thing i will say though is the the match i probably uh appreciated and, and had the most fun with was definitely the undertaker and aj styles boneyard match uh, the, that was
0: fantastic uh,
1: for for in my opinion moving forward any undertaker match needs to be just that um, well,
0: he's a thousand years old and he <laughs> he's completely gassed after like 90 seconds in the ring at this point. So what what they did was basically they made a, a full cinematic production out of it yep. and had these guys in sort of this faux kind of farm slash cemetery setting. Yeah. And and because it was so ultra produced, uh, they were able to to make this guy who's. I think in his mid fifties uh, and, and almost immobile look like an absolute monster.
1: Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it was just shot like a movie basically, but I think moving forward that that's what undertaker matches need to be. And I feel like I read this week too, that from now on, you know, until he decides to retire, he's going to be more of his biker persona than the, you know, quote unquote dead man persona, which I, I kind of appreciate. Yeah.
0: <laughs> It, it was. It, it's always kind of a, a nostalgic thing to talk about the the biker Undertaker because, like when I was a kid, the Undertaker was this kind of a ghost slash uh, actual Zombie. Undertaker's and and like sort of the living dead kind of a character, and then all of a sudden he changes his character puts on leather pants uh, and a bandana and comes out on a motorcycle and his new theme song is Rollin' by Limp Bizkit.
1: Yeah! <laughs> Keep on <laughs> so, rollin', baby! I was a
0: little disappointed
1: that we didn't get to hear that at the beginning of that. Yeah! They they might not have the rights to that song. <laughs> well, old Freddy Durst might not be given giving them the uh, the copyrights to that that's music anymore.
0: I mean... What's he doing? Buy the guy a pizza or something, and I'm sure he'll give you the rights. Like, <laughs> I, I he's I, I don't think he's sitting on fifty million dollars somewhere.
1: No, no, no I, I don't. I don't think so. Don't, so, anyway, think so you either. can
0: tune into our new wrestling podcast <laughs> <laughs>
1: next week.
0: Oh man, yep,
1: yep.
3: Yeah, we're that's...
0: trying to put together content for you guys, and uh, that was that was one of the big things we watched this week, and we're both big wrestling fans, so. Uh, if you're not a wrestling fan, sorry to go off on a tangent there, but uh, it was it was uh, it was something that took up a few hours of our weekend and felt like it was worth talking about.
1: Hey, uh, speaking of wrestling, I also watched a show this week that involves a former professional wrestler, Alex. What'd you watch? I watched the Big Show show. <laughs> I watched all eight glorious episodes of it why, on Netflix. Why is that a thing? I don't know.
0: So uh, take whatever. Tell tell the people who the Big Show is, because I imagine we have a lot of people who don't who don't watch wrestling listening to us.
1: Well, it's the Big Show. Well. (laughs) So uh, Big Show, former professional wrestler, all seven foot two, four hundred, five hundred something pounds of him. Uh, he's a large human being. Anyway, he is starring now. (laughs) in his very own Netflix sitcom called The Big Show Show. Imagine any sitcom that you've ever watched in the past and put a seven-foot wrestler in as the main dad character, and you have The Big Show Show.
0: Ooh, I just had our million-dollar idea, Cam. Oh, no. We're going to start a podcast, and we're going to review The Big Show Show every week, and it's going to be called The Big Show Show Show.
1: And then we're going to have a Patreon after show talking about the show. <laughs> and that'll be called the big show, 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 after show. Oh. You think this podcast oh. needs a pre show?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man.
0: Uh, is anyone still listening? Are you guys out there?
1: Probably not. <laughs> hey, hey, Alex. But
0: we got Tucker Davidson coming up, so stick around for that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, before That's we right. get to that. He came, he came on this show, guys.
1: you had a grand time hey uh what what are you drinking this week uh let's see i have i have a
0: nice 2019 dasani mineral water Weak. uh it is it is fairly weak um (laughs) but
3: uh, (laughs) no uh,
0: every now and then as uh as as easy as it is to to drink rather heavily during this isolation period uh need to need to take a day or two off here or there to kind of reset and flush out the old system
1: so you chose podcast day uh yeah yeah <laughs> well i did not i am drinking a hoppy Kaye india pale ale from lone rider brewing company does
0: it have a picture of john McClane on it
1: uh not quite but it does have a guy pointing a couple of six shooters at you
0: they they really missed the boat on on not having Bruce Willis's face on the camera.
1: <laughs> well, it's hard for me to not just like walk around the house with one of the one of these and say that oh so familiar line that we can't say on our show otherwise I get in trouble with Alex. Uh,
0: <laughs> we are a PG show, Cam. Respect it.
1: I was about to yell it right there.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I, lo- I, I do the, I do the production. I'll throw a bleep in there if I have to. I guess
3: happy mother motherfucker
0: <laughs> and and that's what cam does to
1: me when he wants me to do more
0: work on a saturday morning
1: oh show <laughs> hey alex uh you said that we have an interview this week with mr tucker davidson how about we uh, how about we throws to that let's do it Ladies and gentlemen, joining us today on the Chatting Average podcast
0: is a man who was drafted by our Atlanta Braves in the 19th round of the 2016 Major League Draft. All he's done since then is position himself as one of the top five pitching prospects in the Braves' elite minor league system after fanning 134 batters in 129 innings with a 2.15 ERA and a 125 whip between Mississippi and Gwinnett in 2019. And he's now found his way onto the Braves' 40-man roster. Hailing from Amarillo, Texas, out of Midland College, Mr. Tucker Davidson. Hey, here he is. Hey, hey
2: guys. How are y'all doing?
0: Doing well, doing well. Really appreciate you joining us. Um, so Thanks for me. To, to briefly let people know how you wound up joining us today, someone posted on Twitter wishing me a happy birthday on Austin Riley's <laughs> birthday, uh, which you <laughs> responded to and echoed. Uh, I retweeted that and said that, you either have an incredible sense of humor or you think that I'm actually Austin Riley because for anyone who might've found us some other way than Twitter, I run an Austin Riley parody account. So full disclosure here, Tucker, I am sadly not Austin Riley. Oh, come on. You can't be telling me that now. <laughs> on it, Alex. <laughs> on the show, it's, it's too late. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll get right into it here. So, um, We've seen some of the videos you've been putting on Twitter of your efforts to continue your training while we're all still under lockdown. Can you kind of walk us through what a typical day is like for you right now in terms of contact with your coaches, your training program, and what facilities you're either able to use or kind of recreate on your own?
2: Well, Since we kind of got shut down, we were kind of forced to go home. So I decided to move back to my hometown of Amarillo, Texas. My best friend is... Thomas McElwraith and he's in the New York Mets organization. So I knew I would have somebody to play catch with and, and to work out with and just be around and do all the baseball things that we need to do. So we both decided to come back here and we were working out at our former high school and they put the lock on the gate. So we're calling the high school coach. And he's like, I can't let you in. They shut down the school. So I reached out to the double A team here, the Amarillo sod poodles and they were fortunate enough to uh, open up their facility for the few pro guys that are back here. So we've been throwing there and working out there, but if we can't go there, then we just find a park or just somewhere we can play catch up.
0: Okay. And are you still in contact with, with your coaches in terms of kind of what you're doing day to day?
2: Uh, It's kind of more like the off season, I would say. So we can send them everything they're checking on us. How are you feeling? Are you, the biggest thing is kind of in our health of, how are you feeling? Just do you have the virus type of thing or are, gotcha. trainers are, in? are you doing your arm care? How much throwing are you able to do? We're we able to send videos, wrap Soto and trackman man stuff if it's accessible to guys. But I think for the most part, if you're able to just have somewhere to throw, I think everybody is doing something to stay in shape and do everything they can.
1: Very cool, very cool. Hey, uh, Tucker, this is Cam here. Uh, thank, thanks again for coming on here with us tonight. Uh, so as I'm sure you've seen with Braves fans on Twitter, uh, many of them create parody accounts for their favorite players. <laughs> of course, we have our very own Austin Riley's Rakes here on the show with us, but I'm sure you've also seen Brian McCann's beard or Freddie's stubble or Acuna's Tilde, Culberson's hair, many, many more li- like that along those lines. Uh, when you get called up to the bigs, what are some of the attributes that you think would be deserving of their own parody account?
2: Ooh. See, I was really hoping Brave Country would just come, come like, make that up for me so I could just go along with it. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't really have anything, like... <laughs> the only thing I really that stands out—I have a big butt. I'll put it that way. i huge. <laughs> right? everybody, that, everybody that meets me, they're just like, "Your size are huge." I'm like, I know. I'm. I know. Uh-oh. But that's really. I mean, that's all I got for you, really.
0: Well, our, our friends, the ladies at uh, at the Mansplain Baseball Elsewhere podcast, I'm I'm certain are going to be all over that story, and they might even create that again.
2: <laughs> I'm sure my girlfriend's going to love that. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so, uh, Tucker, a little more seriously, uh, you made a massive jump from your 2018 season to 2019, nearly cutting your ERA in half. What were some of the changes that you made or new things that you learned during that time between 18 and 19 that contributed to that success?
2: I thought I had a really good year in 2017 in Rome and wanted to carry that, uh, continue that success over into 2018 in Florida and high and I think I just got away from what I do best and what I do best is attack the strike zone and really just throw my stuff and be aggressive. I think I got a little timid and tried to be too cute at times trying to make the perfect breaking ball and or throw the perfect fastball down in away instead of just being aggressive and trying to fill up the strike zone because I learned quickly that it's hard to hit. It's hard to hit 95. It's hard to hit a good breaking ball. Especially if it's executed well. So I kind of changed my focus more on from being perfect to just executing. Of this is supposed to be a fastball away. I'm going to get it away. It doesn't matter if it's down and away, up and away. Just let's get it away and let's focus more of cutting the plate in half and be able to be dominant with what you have. And then if you have to find something to get a guy out, then you can dig into your back pocket. Like I really got to get this fastball in. But instead of being perfect, just being aggressive and just doing what I do best.
1: Was there anybody that, that you worked with that kind of helped you change your mindset on your approach with that? Or, or how, how did you stumble upon that that new way to look at it?
2: I think I always had it. It was more of just kind of embracing it and getting back to my old ways. I kind of felt like I drifted as a player. Just it didn't feel like I was locked in and focused on exactly what I need to do each day. And I think that's part of growing and coming through the minors. You're still discovering who you are as a pitcher. And from what I was in Rome to now is completely different. And I think you just have to grow with it and you're going to taste, you're going to have terrible streaks of giving up, going two innings and giving up five runs and walking five guys. And you just got to go back to the basics and find what you do. But I met, I've been working with a guy named Cameron cook back in Amarillo for a couple years now. And he sat me down at the first of that off season after 18 and we watched some video and it was just me blowing fastballs guy by guys and filthy breaking balls that guys are swinging and missing out of their shoes. And he was like, this is what you do best. you you want to be nasty. You want to be as good as you can go out there and do that every day. And that guy kind of took that to heart of just how I prepare and how I execute everything.
3: Okay.
0: Um, A kind of a curiosity that just struck me so hypothetical situation here tucker if you get called up to the show and brian snicker comes up to you and says hey i I need i need a starter and i need a closer and you get to pick what you get to do what what do you think that your stuff your emotional makeup everything is best suited for
2: i like both i i've I had success out of the bullpen. I was there at the first part of my pro career, so I've embraced that before. I mean, I had to embrace a whole new role of starting, and I like both. Uh, I'm a very energetic, high-wire kind of uh, adrenaline junkie, so I think closing I would love, but I also love just if Smith came up and said, here's the ball, go give me seven innings, and I would love to go out there every fifth day and just do what I can do to help the team win, but I, it, to me, it doesn't matter. I would love to just, pitch for the braves and to help that team win a world
0: series cool um and i actually think i heard you mention this on uh on another show that you did at one point but but remind me again if if you do become a closer and you get your your big entrance what's the music going to be that you're running in from the bullpen to (laughs)
2: uh it's gonna be Sandstorm. i think i said this in high school probably i was probably listening to my friend before a game and So if I'm ever closing the big leagues, this will be it. And I still get jacked up for that song. And I thought at Truist Park, it'd sound pretty good in front of 40,000 people.
0: Oh man, the crowd would be going nuts. That'd be great.
2: I think they could do some stuff with the lights. You know, I think we could get real creative (laughs) with it. But then if you blow save, it doesn't look so good. So (laughs) yeah,
0: they, they do a fantastic job putting, putting the packages together for, for Melanson and green and, and Luke and everybody who comes in to close. It's uh, it's pretty impressive. so, uh, you made waves this offseason by setting the, the driveline record with a 100.2-mile-an-hour pitch while wearing only compression shorts. Will you use this platform to apologize to Braves fans who are going to have to keep their wives away from the TV when you get called up?
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, Braves country. Uh, hopefully, I am pitching very well, so you're happy with me and you can forget about if your wives are into me or not, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, high there's,
1: wives, one, there's Tucker's <laughs> on the web. There, there's one apology. We've got about 15 other guys on the main <laughs> roster. We need apologies from. So, <laughs> uh, in,
0: in all well, seriousness, got- though, the uh, the guys at Driveline have have been a huge asset for ball players over the last couple of years. What what exactly were they able to tell you or show you that you were able to take back and uh, and impacted your game?
2: So I went right after we had gotten beat out of playoffs in Gwinnett and I think I went home for about three days and then hopped on a flight to Seattle and I did the motion capture which was the throw in your underwear and I hit 95 and I was talking to some of them and they're looking at the video and they're like the video looks great but we'll wait until we get all the numbers and kind of for the, for the ones that don't know what the motion capture what I was throwing in my underwear it's a full breakdown of your mechanics how much velocity your arms move in, how much force is put on it kind of where your efficiencies are, your deficiencies are. So you can kind of break down if I'm very bad at this, I'm very good at this. Well, they found that I do not move well at all, I was extremely immobile and had to find some mobility. I needed to get my hips more open and my shoulder mobility needed to be worked on. So that was something It was not just, you need to work on this. It was something overall, hey, let's work on the mobility. You're coming back in January. We'll go from there. And so I really took the next few months to try to gain some mobility just start doing some hip mobility and shoulder mobility and just try to gain that extra strength within that mobility and be able to move and help my body get into position to be successful cool cool
0: um so so if i'm understanding you correctly when uh before you went over there it was it was pretty much all
2: arm and you weren't really getting your whole
0: body into it
2: it's not that it wasn't all arm. It was I had the strength to throw harder and perform more, but my my will put will put this on my muscles weren't allowing it because they didn't have the range of motion. So, gotcha. Okay. My for my arms to get back at a certain position to throw the maximum force to throw a baseball, it just wasn't in there. But I had enough muscle strength to produce more. To produce more force through the baseball, but I just didn't have the mobility to get there. So that was kind of a big, big thing they focused on with me.
0: And and what do you what do you think your top end is now versus the ninety five you were talking about before? Uh,
2: I hit a hundred at drive line, and that Luke was there, and I I couldn't even explain it. It was one of the craziest probably thirty minutes of my life. I was the most jacked up I've ever been, and I just let <laughs> three pitches as hard as I could go and everybody's screaming and hollering. It was awesome. Great time. Um, I think I was up to 98 or 99 in spring. So hopefully when we get rolling and we get on a consistent schedule, we can start sitting in the, mid day high nineties.
0: Sure. And I think, uh, at least for the, f- the first few outings, whenever, uh, whenever we do see in the show, you could probably expect an extra mile an hour or two just from the, uh, from the adrenaline there. <laughs> well,
2: I'm, I'm just hoping it's in the track zone. So. <laughs> Fair enough.
0: Um, so for those of us uh, who follow the Braves, we've we've had a chance to get acclimated with a lot of the bigger name prospects like yourself, uh, Ian Anderson, Christian Pache, Drew Waters, Patrick Weigel, Shay L'Engleers. But who is someone that you played with on your way coming up through the minors that doesn't get a lot of publicity that you could see making an impact in Atlanta one day?
2: I'll give you one that's already made an impact. It's Jeremy Walker. Uh, oh, sure. I think- I think everybody looks at his low A and high A numbers and you didn't really see the results. He's a strike thrower. So at those lower levels, guys do not have approaches. So they're swinging and he has a good two-seam sinking fastball. So when he leaves it over the middle of the plate, if they don't have an approach and they're swinging out of their shoes, they might get lucky and get a base hit. So I think a lot of people can overlook him, but he's got an incredible breaking ball. He's got a great fastball and he can pitch multiple innings. He can come in and close for you. And then uh, I'll give you another one. I'll give you Victor Vodnik. He he was in Rome last year and he's got an electric arm. And I think if he stays in the right course and he just continues to stay healthy and keep going, he he can be a very good player.
0: Eighty grade baseball name
2: too. Oh great name. <laughs>
1: Okay, so Tucker, we'll uh, we'll, we'll close things out tonight with a fun question that uh, you being our first player guest on the show, we're going to try it out on you, and our hope is to ask it of other players whenever they come on. So take us back to the early days of your baseball playing career. What was the greatest moment of your little league career?
2: Ooh, greatest moment. I think I threw a no-hitter when I was 10 years old. It was kind of, that was the first year pitching had kind of clicked for me. I think when I was nine, I just had a decent arm and didn't really understand. I was just trying to throw it as hard as I could. But that was kind of the first year I kind of started throwing strikes, kind of enjoyed pitching. So I threw a no-hitter in, I think, a tournament in Dallas, Texas. And that was kind of the big highlight of something I can look back on.
0: What was uh, What was the reaction like from the other players?
2: I don't think anybody knew kind of what was going on because that was before little leagues had scoreboards or if they did, it kind of half the numbers worked or just had the score, just the time. And so I think everybody was kind of had an idea of something cool was happened because nobody was getting on base. And but I think at the point we were just so young and then I think when it happened, the coaches like you just threw a no hitter. I think everybody kind of grasped the idea of, Oh my goodness, that's actually incredibly hard. I can't believe you just did that. So i I think we went all went out for pizza and coke after that (laughs) hey
1: that that, that's a valid celebration now man oh absolutely i'm
2: I'm 34
0: and i'd be i'd be okay with that
2: hey after good outings last year i was eating raisin cane so (laughs) whatever whatever works well in mississippi if you struck out more than seven batters you got uh if you if you took a ticket you got to buy one get one free so i was gonna get and so if i struck out seven guys i'd Feel good about myself like i'm gonna go get raising cane. so i'd go get trey harris lived with me so i'd go get a <laughs> buy one get one free so we were just loving that oh that's awesome
1: any uh, any other little minor league traditions that you can you can share with us here on the podcast
2: uh we'll put it this way um ping pong is very competitive in the locker room all right i'm the worst i don't even get on the table because i'm so bad drew waters thinks he's incredibly good he is good. <laughs> he has you he that, he has that confidence and you'll know it so imagine that on a ping pong table but uh, kyle moore thinks he's pretty good um he's okay uh, I've seen better. but jerry jerry walker's very good and you have kind of your uh Your guys that think they're good, and then you have your guys that are. Jonathan Morales is probably one of the best in the clubhouse, though.
1: Okay, Uh, okay. So what? So what you're saying is, if we get any other any of the other Gwinnett guys on here, we need to ask them about ping pong.
2: You can honestly ask any of the minor league guys because they're in all the clubhouses in the minor.
1: Okay. Okay. Very Very cool.
2: Well, Tucker,
0: we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us on the show today. And I think I speak for all of Braves country when I say that we can't wait to see you blowing hitters away alongside the rest of our boys at Truist Park. Where can people find you on social media?
2: Uh, My Instagram is TuckTuck, and my Twitter is Um, TuckTuck6.
3: I'm
2: pretty regular on Twitter. I like to post kind of like what I'm doing throwing-wise. I kind of feel like fans like to interact with that, and I like to put it out there, so...
0: Yeah, and it's it's always fun when when you have guys like yourself that that are actually active on social media like that. It kind of kind of helps people invest in the uh, in the players before they actually get to see them in the bigs.
2: I, I agree, I agree, and especially I'm, I'm going to get this a lot because I'm a 19th rounder. Uh, who is this guy? Whenever I make uh, hopefully when I make my debut, it's everybody. Who is this guy? And so I like to kind of make my name, and so they can go to my Twitter and kind of see who I am and the way I train. So.
0: Well, I, I think uh, I, I think the baseball world in general kind of took notice with the driveline stuff, and uh, I, I can say fairly confidently that that Braves country is uh, is getting to know Tucker Davidson, and, and we'll be ready
2: for you when you make it. Well, I'm ready to meet Braves country, that's for sure.
0: Sounds good, man. Well, thank you very much for bring it, being on the show. We really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Big thanks again to Tucker Davidson for coming on the show this week. Uh, Tucker, uh, thanks for working along with us, working it into your schedule to do a quick interview with us. We surely appreciate it.
0: And let that be a lesson to you kids. Don't be afraid to throw stupid Twitter posts out to some of your favorite (laughs) baseball players (laughs) because they might actually sit down and talk with you for 20 or 30 minutes. That's all my Twitter posts are Alex. (laughs) I'm looking at you, Luke Jackson. Come on the show. We're waiting. We'll give you a t-shirt. I'll let you off the hook for the Star Wars thing if you come on the show.
1: For sure. For sure. Uh, so, yeah, re- really cool interview uh, with Tucker on that. We'll get back to our weekly topics next week. Uh, we figured with the interview this week that could take place of that segment. So uh, next week we'll be jumping back into the topics that were chosen by you, the listeners, on Twitter in our topic thread. Next week's topic will be favorite Braves managers other than Bobby Cox. And then, of course, the following week will be all about the Braves farm system, which, cor- of course, includes our very own Tucker Davidson. Someone that
0: who I'm – exclusively going to refer to as friend of the show, Tucker Davidson from here on out. Yeah. Hey, Alex, we got a, uh, we got any voicemails this week. Yeah, we got a, we got a, a voicemail and a text we can go through. So uh, the, the first one is going to be from Emily with the mansplain baseball elsewhere podcast. Thank you very much for, for continuing to to call in and give us your questions. So let's see what she has to say.
3: Hey, Um, This is Emily. I was just wondering, do y'all prefer Tiger King or The Wild and Wonderful White? Now, I like The Wild and Wonderful White. It's a classic, but Tiger King comes in a close second. And if any of your listeners haven't seen it, I suggest they watch both of them and make their own opinion. But I will hang up and listen for which one y'all prefer.
0: All right. Well, thanks for the call,
1: Emily. Let me, just, um, I, let me just say, I love the whole. I'm gonna hang up and listen thing.
3: Yeah, like, oh, that doesn't. That get still old. cracks one, me
1: up week in, week out. One day, when someone's
0: dumb enough to to syndicate our show and we're actually live on the radio. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> that's, hey, I've already tricked one radio station into putting me on the air on a semi-regular basis. I, I'm Still trying to figure out what kind of voodoo magic you pulled to make that happen. Um, <laughs> but uh, for for me, I, I've never seen. It's called. It's called The Wonderful Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. Is that it? That is correct. I'm t- totally shocked you have not seen this, Alex. Uh, I kind of am, too. Is it <laughs> is it sort of like a, a moonshiners kind of vibe? What 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 are we talking about? Uh,
1: here? OK, so The Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia came out. Gosh, it has to be at least has to be close to 10 years ago at this point. But essentially, it's a it's a documentary about this. Family, the whites that live in the back hills of West Virginia, and that is pretty much all you need to know about what (laughs) this show is because man, oh man, is this documentary wild, Alex? I sent you a clip before I got got the clip here, so and so So I told you, I told you not to watch this clip until we got to this point. And so, for those of you that have seen the wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia. It is the Taco Bell clip. If you've seen this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And let me just tell you, I don't remember much from that documentary, but the Taco Bell scene I do remember. And it's something that I have to refrain from saying every time I go through a Taco Bell drive-thru. Alex, <laughs> hit it.
0: How, how many bleeps am I going to have to drop when I'm when I'm editing this? Uh, just a couple. Okay. <laughs> hit it! <laughs> All right, we're we're gonna experience this together, guys. It's a it's a minute thirty four clip, so <laughs> so bear with me while I learn what on earth you guys are talking about.
3: Hello, sorry about the way go ahead and whatever. Yeah, give me What's a case today. The steak and cheese to only with cheese and steak only. <laughs> we don't have them either. You don't have the asters. <laughs> <laughs> That. Why is it on your side if you don't have it? Are you talking about a Y'all have a no. No. cheese sticks. No. no. Give me two tacos, one soft shell, one hard, please. Could you repeat that order back to me? Yes, yeah. I got the hard cheese. I'm to with just cheese. Renee! <laughs> They took her baby. She <laughs> had her baby. <laughs> She's, <gonna be laughs> <ass-tucker>. She's crying. She's <laughs> crying. <laughs> I killed a cow to get that beef For what, buddy? Thanks. Don't give me that last you did. That I'll smack that frown off your face. They
0: took her baby! Oh my... What... What the hell... Did I just watch? Um, I, I have so many questions <laughs> um the <laughs> do, do you need a second camera, camera?
1: No, just a... <laughs> every time i go through taco bell i have to refrain from saying <laughs> y'all got fiestas <laughs> he he played, first
0: of all he placed like 37 different orders first of all that's a woman <laughs>
3: No. (laughs) (laughs) Go back and watch. That's a (laughs) Uh,
0: no. I I can't. I can't make our listeners sit through that (laughs) again.
3: I I will. I got mozzarella cheese sticks.
0: I I used to live in in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and worked about twenty or thirty minutes south of town, (sighs) uh, which is fairly close to the West Virginia border. So I, I came dangerously close to to running into folks like this on a fairly regular basis oh
1: man yeah good stuff good stuff
0: (laughs) goodness um
1: the 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 part that you might not have noticed in that but i i notice it every time because i've seen it a thousand times she asks him to repeat the order back
2: and and then then drives off and then drives
1: off (laughs) (laughs) he gets about two items in and she just drives around (laughs)
0: Uh, obviously, we're audio only, and and you guys couldn't watch the video along with me. But he, he goes through this whole song and dance of placing this order, which which I think ultimately is a quesadilla and two tacos, whatever.
1: One hard shell, one soft shell.
3: <laughs> but he he
1: <laughs>
0: he asked them to repeat the order back, <laughs> and Ooh. and they get two words into repeating the order back and the guy just zooms off and then stops next to a window because he recognizes (laughs) someone sitting inside of this Taco Bell establishment (sighs) and proceeds to scream at them through the closed window talking about they took her baby or something. She's crying, her... All right, so uh, Cam, what is this? a Is this a, this is a, a movie or a series? It's it's a documentary.
1: Yeah, it's it's a movie. It's like ninety minutes long, I think.
0: Okay, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm probably gonna watch this tonight.
1: Uh, uh,
0: and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, by the time by the time this episode airs, I will report back with my findings for you, Emily. <laughs> um, and oh, uh, oh, I'm terrified. <laughs> woo buddy yeah well that was that was certainly a thing that happened M- Indeed, moving on it was <laughs> moving on uh we've got a uh, we've got some questions on our text message line from from our friend amber uh amber goes violinning on twitter uh this so w- w- what you should know about amber's text messages is that she's one of the few people i've met that that texts in sort of stream of consciousness. So (laughs) I'm not sure if this was talk to text or if she typed this whole thing out, but I'm going to read it in full and then we'll break it down point by point. She says, Hi, who is your favorite baseball villain? The person you most love to hate. And you can't say Jose Altuve because he's canceled. Canceled. P.S. Please send Chick-fil-A sweet tea. This is unrelated to that question, but thank you for your consideration. And question number two: What player do you think has the best "quote unquote" ugly haircut slash facial hair? I'm tempted to go with Swirlbeard McGee, Mike Fires. In parentheses, please walk my number. <laughs> Amber, we we love you. That this is that was. I've read that like five times and still get a chuckle out of it. And there's, there's multiple interesting questions in there. So we'll, we'll, we'll start from, uh, we'll start from the end and work our way forward. Uh, So what player do you think cam has the best quote unquote, ugly haircut or facial hair? And, and that leaves your definition of ugly, haircut and facial hair completely open to interpretation so what what do you think
1: Hmm. this one's tough man um Hmm. you know i would i would almost be inclined to say that dallas keichel's beard is very much overrated really like yeah like as as long as and as quote unquote majestic as it may be, I don't know. It almost looks fake. Like it It, it does. does... It, it's
0: it's perfectly sculpted. most of the time.
1: But yeah, like it's, it's weird. It's, it's like it's, it's, it's
0: boxy. It looks almost like a Sims character.
1: Yeah, it, it looks really weird. Um you remember Clay Buckholz? Oh yeah. For the Red Sox. He... And yeah, I guess he... the Diamondbacks for a little while. he, Is he still he had... pitching? I don't think so. He might be. He had really bad facial hair, though. Like, he had... Oh, he, he, he had the he, kind he of had, beard that I would have if
0: I went out into public unshaven after, like, two months. Yeah, he,
1: he had the facial hair of, like, that guy in ninth grade that thought he had a beard, but really it's just straggly hairs coming off of his face. That was, that was, uh, Yeah. That, that that was that was his facial hair, not great.
0: So, uh, I first of all I want to say thank you for not picking mine because there was only ever one answer that I could possibly give to this. Uh, I, I think I, I touched on this story a little while back, but when I first joined Twitter, it wasn't as Austin Riley's rakes; it was as Josh Donaldson's hair. <laughs> So that's going to be my pick. Uh, The 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 quick story of the transition there was basically I was Josh Donaldson's hair and I was I was fully selling the the gimmick that I was actually his hair Uh, (laughs) to the point where he actually still follows my account because he thought that was funny, apparently, and and followed me for it. So uh, one day, Austin Riley got called up and there'd been a ton of hype because he was tearing it up in Gwinnett. And I put online that if Austin Riley hits a home run in his first game, then I- I'll I'll change this account to be some kind of Austin Riley parody account. And, of course, he did. And, of course, someone called me out on it within about five minutes of it happening. And here we sit, uh, me as Austin Riley's race. And but
1: the rest is history.
0: Something like that, yeah. Uh, but josh donaldson's hair is is great for this because it has taken so many different forms like it's 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 always it's it's not a mullet but it's kind of a mullet i don't really know how to describe it like sometimes it's a rat tail sometimes it's not a rat tail yeah sometimes it's curly sometimes it's not sometimes it's completely shaven on the sides sometimes I think there's little designs in there you just you never know what you're gonna get with this guy and and also ki- kind of a clay Buckholz sea sort of beard too
1: yeah uh, yeah, uh, yeah
0: people don't talk about that because he, because <clears throat> his hair's kind of crazy but he's he's sort of got the patchy beard going as well uh but he 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 uh, he totally leans into it uh and all the respect in the world to him for that but it, you know who uh, else?
1: Ha- who else has kind of a dumb beard? Who's that? Uh, Craig Kimbrell. Oh yeah, well, like well, now, now that he's let it get like stupid long, I don't know. It looks kind of ridiculous.
0: It does, yeah, and it's it's <laughs> it's weird because you remember him coming up with the Braves, and he got to the league, and he was this 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 very like young looking guy with. Just the bright, rosiest cheeks on this pale skin that you've ever yep. seen. And I, I don't know why that stuck out to me so much, but I think I might have been in love at the time. But, uh, it, what? It, <laughs> hey, what? you tell me that you, you weren't, you didn't love Craig Kimbrell when he first came up with the Braves, and I will call you a liar.
3: I'm not saying
0: that, but. <laughs> okay. It was, it, it, he was actually my, uh, my, my first braves jersey that i ever had of a current player oh uh, very cool yeah so th- that was that was my dude back in the day i was i was a huge Kimbrel guy i was devastated when we traded him to the padres but uh yeah not not a guy who should have a beard uh, I, yeah i don't know if if <coughs> if your beard grows out red i think you got to keep it cut close you can't go with long red beard I, I can't really think of anyone that that ever worked out well for
1: you were too obsessed with finding out if you could and not thinking about if you should.
0: <laughs> can so can you think of any good long red beards?
3: Um, like
0: whoever pulled that off? I don't know. That, that's a good question. Yeah, so if if you're a redhead, by all means grow you some facial hair, but but keep it trimmed. The long red beard doesn't work for anybody.
1: Yeah, we've got our one ginger listener out there going, son of a bitch!
0: And that's my wife. And uh, she, she, she doesn't grow a very good beard. Um,
1: so... <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. So, Anyhow.
0: So tune in next week for me to get a divorce live on the show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Woo, boy. So... Hey, maybe um, we can get a defense, uh, a divorce attorney as our first sponsor. Do I have
0: any? Do we have any attorneys as a patron? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so moving on to her <laughs> next question, uh, that that I think is a really good one. Who is your favorite baseball villain? Um, there's so many great ones to
1: choose from over the years. Well, I, you know, I, I think in in this day and age, of course, the easy answer when you think about baseball villain of course as a braves fan is bryce harper and i've i've really mellowed on that over the past you know couple of years uh, you know it, it's fun to have a division rival that you can hate you know i think that's kind of the extent of the my hatred for him goes that oh you know he, he plays for a division rival it is what it is but you know so he he's a good villain especially within the nl east um i think I, I'm not going to be able to explain it, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I have an irrational hate for Buster Posey.
0: I, I, I have no
1: issues with that whatsoever. And I don't know if I can really explain why, but there's just something about Buster Posey. I just I don't I don't jive with. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you there. <clears throat> So I mean, he's a perfectly fine ball player. He he's a you know a good catcher. He he's starting to hit the twilight of his career, but there's just something about that guy. I just uh, I, yeah. I don't know.
0: For me, it was it was the whole Giants team. I was just I was I was so sick of them winning yeah. those three World Series in five years. Like just,
3: uh, like oh, in,
0: yeah. your ace pitchers, like five foot four, uh, and and. Throws like he's having a seizure on the mound or something. Yep. <laughs> Just well, that 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 whole team bothered me. I never liked him. Bo- well, Bruce Bochy's and... a great manager, but I never liked him. And another, I don't need a reason why. Don't tell me I need a reason to dislike somebody. I didn't like. It's like Phil Mickelson. I can't stand that guy. <laughs> don't ask me
1: why. I don't have to tell you. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of. Um, golly, what manager's name did you just say? Bruce Bocce. Yeah, Bruce Bocce. There it is. Uh, speaking of Bruce, spree- speaking of Bruce. Bochy, oh, this is staying in there. I'm not clipping this out. Fair enough. Speaking <laughs> of Bruce Bocce, uh, he did a really good interview this week on Buster Olney's Baseball Tonight podcast. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, you know he goes into talking about Tony Gwynn quite a bit. Talks about Pete Rose a bunch. Um, he does talk about, of course, the Giants and, and their run, but just kind of a really good interview because you, you you kind of forget about the era that Bruce Bochy got to play in and the guys that he played along with before he became this manager that you know rattled off three World Series titles. Um, really good interview. Go check that out. But yeah, Buster Posey. I don't know who, who's who's a who's a villain in your book. Man,
0: I I can't decide, so I'm just gonna rattle off a bunch of ones I I, I dislike. So, from 2018 and 19, I'm 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 sick of Trey Turner's face. I don't ah! want to see it. Uh, yeah, make him go away. I don't want his name popping up on my Twitter timeline. I, I just I don't like the guy. He beats up on the Braves, and it bothers me. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna echo Bryce Harper as well. Uh, another guy. I don't need a reason to dislike him. Uh, I, it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun to dislike him. He's like. He's just a stereotypical bro and it's it's super easy to hate on those
1: oh guy. yeah a-
0: absolutely yeah um <clears throat> manager wise uh, I was I was never a Tony La Russa guy uh, great That's fair. Great, ma- great manager but uh, but but he bugged me he just uh, he was he was if I remember correctly I, I seem to remember him being pretty combative with reporters a lot of times uh, yeah that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So I ne- ne- never liked him plus I hate the Cardinals and uh since since my most recent baseball memory is the 2019 NLDS where the Braves played the Cardinals, uh, I'm gonna stick uh, Yadier Molina in there too. ooh good one okay. yeah, he's oh man i, I, I was I, I was hoping that he he'd get out there and, uh, and 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 catch some Austin Riley hands after uh, <laughs> after. <laughs> His little, his his little uh, antics. Uh, I'll yeah. use antics because the Cardinals fans hated Acuna and his his quote unquote antics.
1: Oh, but I'm gonna launch a bat into right field. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, what about what about uh, what about Jose Bautista when he when he was still playing? Like I, I never disliked the guy.
0: Uh, I, I I I wish he had been better when he was with the Braves, but he wasn't. Um, but, do
3: you
1: think? I mean, do you think he turned himself? Do you think that he went the way of um, of Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight? You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. No, no. Well, maybe, maybe in the eyes of
0: Braves fans, but in the big picture, I, I think you've still got the Blue Jays fan base who is going to probably hold him in pretty high regard for for all of time. Yeah, uh, I mean, he was he was one of the centerpieces of some really good Toronto Blue Jays teams. And uh, he's he's forever got my respect after the the famed uh, incident with Rugnet Odor I'm, I'm going to butcher this name. Rugnet Odor with
1: the, Runeid. Runeid. <laughs>
0: with, with the Rangers. Oh, the G silent. Yeah. Oh, OK, cool. Um, can... Anyway, whatever, whatever his name is. Odor, uh, the guy who smells. No, funny. that's not it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so they, they got into it in a,
1: uh, I, I forget if it was a, an ALDS or CS game. No, no, but, no. It, so it, it was the year after the ALDS series. Oh, was that during the regular season? Yeah, that was during the regular season. Okay. It, it was like, it was like a late season game, I think. But yeah, that, that was during the regular season. Regardless, Odor throws
0: <clears throat> one of the most picture perfect right jabs that I've seen outside of a boxing ring. It was a thing of beauty and caught Batista right on the chin. Just couldn't have placed it any better. Couldn't have thrown it any better. Knocked his glasses clean off of his head. It looked like he'd knocked his head off of his shoulders for a second. But but Batista didn't go down. <laughs> Like, yeah
3: i was he gonna say to back get. a
0: little bit but he stayed on his feet like i he, most, he, i think he most ate it pretty well take that punch and they go down like a sack of potatoes
1: yeah yeah he, he he ate that punch uh pretty well what about okay how about this not a current player but a villain to letting the kids play old goose gossage Ooh, uh
0: educate me here cam
1: that you know goose gossage of course mostly known for playing with the yankees uh was a pitcher uh was inducted in the hall of fame that all that sort of thing but he has been very outspoken against the modern style of baseball play okay but yeah he, i mean it, 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 in, in the mindset of expected to an extent from the older generation <laughs> I, I figure it, well in the mindset of advocating for like beaning batters and, and stuff like that
0: yeah well I mean, before the – I mean, I guess kind of at the, the infancy of the whole let the kids play and, and uh, this, this movement where we all kind of appreciate swag a little bit more than, than maybe 10 or 15 years ago, uh, we, we can't forget that, that we had uh, someone who could be considered one of the last great enforcers of the game playing catcher for us in Brian McCann. I mean, Carlos Gomez still hasn't touched home plate
1: uh, That's true.
0: That's better true. A
1: decade later. What about uh what about A Rod? Villain or not a villain? Are you kidding me? Of course
0: he's a villain. If for not if for no other reason than because of the stupid words that come out of his mouth that I have to listen to when he's broadcasting baseball.
3: <laughs> okay. Uh <laughs> I want Ro-
0: to get into the steroids and everything. I have to listen to him on on ESPN baseball broadcast and it's it's awful. Like I, I'm I'm I'd rather watch it on mute than listen to him talk. Not this year, you don't. Yeah, that's fair. I'd I'd, I'd taken a rod <laughs> call right about now, but I, I'd I'd still complain
1: about it. Okay, uh, Roger Clemens, villain or not a villain? Oh, absolutely a villain. You think oh, so? Yeah. You think oh, you well, think so? Well, d- don't don't
0: get me wrong. Like he was he was a fantastic pitcher, but uh, also a cheater, and also while being the cheater was going was, he would. He was the first person to 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 tag somebody on the chin with with ninety five.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: I, I think I, I I think if the if if the whole steroid implications hadn't happened with Clemens, it would be a lot easier to see him as just sort of the 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 policeman of Major League Baseball. But you, you throw well, in the steroids, and it's it's a little bit different story.
1: And, well, and steroids aside too, he was just. He's a cool guy to go back and look at on the mound. Just because of how aggressive, you know, he was. He big burly kind of guy, you know, big fastball thrower, really just fun to watch. I I I like
0: I mean, for that, give me give me David Wells on the Yankees over <clears throat> over Roger Clemens for just just purely for who I enjoyed watching. I, yeah. I like I like watching the David Wells and the the Bartolo Colons of the world who who <laughs> who look like me plus 40 or 50 pounds and just still <laughs> so go they look like me
1: <laughs> and, and, and hurl. All right. Manny Ramirez villain or not a villain. I I can see why some would would villain or just Manny being Manny.
0: He always entertained me. I never really had an issue with him. I I can I can understand why others might have an issue with him, but yeah, he never he never really rubbed me the wrong way.
1: Okay, okay, good point.
0: Oh, uh, okay. I got one for you. All right, terrible human being or worst human being of all time, Chase Utley. Oh, worst human being of all
1: time. (laughs) (laughs) Him
0: and his dumb little face. I can't say enough bad things about Chase Utley. I I can't
1: I mean, is this, this this will be the only time you'll hear Chase Utley and Chipper Jones in the same sentence. But is the way that we feel about Chase Utley the same way that Mets fans kind of felt about Chipper? Um, Just kind of that thorn in your side for years and always seem to do really well against you for some reason? Possibly, but in, in Chipper's defense, because obviously
0: I'm going to defend Chipper, when when he started hitting the tail of the end of his career and his production dipped a little bit, uh, he didn't start resorting to dirty plays to make up for it.
3: <laughs> You're going to piss Jesse off. <laughs>
1: I hope you're listening, Jesse. I don't know if you listen. Oh, to it's gonna this make show. him so mad that you just um, said because <laughs> I have seen him in the past couple of weeks defend that whole situation. That's gonna make him so. Oh, mad. I'll, I'll
0: go. I'll go to war on this one. I can't stand Chase Utley. You know, Jesse's and, and gonna. I, and, and the best part is, Jesse's co-host on the, on the Let Me Just Say podcast, Joe. I'm pretty sure is on my side with this one.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, Joe, being a New York Mets fan, had to play, had to see Chase Utley just as much as we did. But, you know, Jesse is going to be like, bro, let me tell you, that's, that's not even true. That's not even like factual. OK, Chase Utley, my guy, he was just in there trying to slide in the second, you know, NLDS trying to put it all on the line. You know,
0: Jesse's like the the baseball podcast Mitch <clears throat> Hedberg.
2: <laughs>
0: in yeah that, in that in that de- the delivery is
1: fairly slow and deliberate but the content is amazing i saw a sign on some broken escalators that said sorry for the inconvenience <laughs> i thought that sign should have said sorry for the convenience <laughs> escalator broken that. temporarily stairs, stairs. <laughs>
3: This is going the to become a Mitch, Mitch Hedberg, Hedberg podcast.
0: Favorite comedians of all time. <laughs> o- only guy who could build an entire act out of one-liners. <laughs> like it's, it's his, he, his, I used to do drugs. I still do, but I used to too. 125 jokes in it.
1: <laughs> They're so
0: quick. too. <laughs> I actually, uh, so, uh, I went to middle Tennessee state university in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and, Uh, This uh, this was in 2004 when when you were still in diapers, Cam, and we get up there and check in. And during Welcome Week, they had they had two acts come in to entertain us. Uh, And there was a there was uh, a musical act, The Spin Doctors, who to this day might hold the title of worst show I've ever seen. (laughs) Uh, But they also had Mitch Hedberg come in. And it this I I think this wound up being uh, I'd I'd have to go back and check, but it was within a year or two of him passing away
3: uh,
0: and and getting to see him live was one hell of an experience. Like he he came out and did a did a set that was probably uh, probably about an hour long. But then he did something that I've never seen another comedian do. And I've seen a fair amount of comedians. He came out for an encore and took requests from the crowd, like oh, wow.
3: like
0: like he was Leonard Skinnerd, and we were chanting for Freebird or
3: something. So the
0: so so literally, he turns the mic to the crowd, and people are like, "Tell the escalator joke." Oh, tell the joke about the donut receipt. Like, <laughs> and and we're all still rolling,
1: even though we all know the jokes by heart. Right. I don't know. Yeah, it, my my first exposure to Mitch Hedberg was you know. Ten-year-old me staying up later than he should, watching Comedy Central presents at one o'clock in the morning. You know, in my bedroom on a Friday night. Oh yeah, that that was like my first exposure. And at the time, I feel like I watched him and thought, okay, this guy is funny, but I'm not quite getting it. And it wasn't until two or three years later that I saw him again on, on you know, some Comedy Central presents special and realized that okay, this guy was a genius. Like some of this stuff is absolutely <laughs> incredible so uh
0: i'll I'll throw you out one more talking point and uh <laughs> take your time with it because I don't know what my answer is gonna be when you throw it back to me okay who is your greatest stand-up comedian of all time <sighs> feel free to spitball
1: a few yeah um I don't know uh this is I not- so this is kind of this is a conversation I've had a few times with my buddies because we're all just re- really big into watching you know, stand up comedy. And we all have pretty similar taste in, in our comedians. And so this is something that we toss back and forth back and forth a lot. I think the easy answer to go with is Richard Pryor. Like, yeah, I think I, I think that. Yeah, I, I think that's the that's the super easy one to go with. That. i think to take to take the a couple of the easiest
0: out of the way yeah let's 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 take prior and murphy
1: okay out of the conversation all right um hmm. i don't know you you gotta you gotta take in mind you gotta keep in mind too that a lot of comedy is subjective so there's oh, particular yeah. audiences that that's great for me might not be great for you right so for instance Jeff Foxworthy is one of the greatest selling comedians ever. Like, he is still, I want to say, like, top two or three in album sales ever for stand up comedians.
0: And a ridiculously brilliant business mind. Like, he he knew his audience as well as any comedian has ever known their audience. Absolutely. But made quite a living
1: off of it. Do you call him the greatest, you know, one of the greatest comedians ever? Like, surely you fit him into that conversation, but I don't know if I could call him.
0: I, I accept him being in the conversation, yeah, but his comedy never really connected with me at all. So
3: right.
0: he's, well, he's certainly not on my
1: list. So then in, in, that, in that same vein, think about a guy like Andrew Dice Clay, who I think to this day is the only guy to sell out Madison, Madison Square Garden twice in one day. He's, again, one of those top selling comedy album, you know, comedians in history. But do you call Andrew Dice Clay one of the greatest comedians ever? You know, so I think for me, my personal favorite comedian ever, and it revolves around my favorite stand up special ever, is Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah. And to, to this day. Killing Them Softly is still one of the best stand-up specials, if not the best I've ever heard.
0: Start to yeah. finish that entire I, I special. I, I can't even argue with that. That's a fabulous pick.
1: So start to, start to end that entire special is is hilarious. Um, it still holds up to this day. I feel like I listened to it at one point like a year or two ago, and it, it's still hilarious. It is still just so good. Killing Them Softly is, without a doubt, one of the best stand-up specials ever. And, and it's um,
0: like what I was saying with Mitch Hedberg earlier, like it, it really says something about a comedian when you can watch their stuff time and time again to the point yes. where, you know, all of the jokes like, you know, the punchlines. There's no there's no surprise in the punchlines anymore. And it's still entertaining.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it, it, it it's, it's unreal. And, and I, I feel like at this point that if I pulled up killing them softly and watched it, that I would know each and every joke and where it's going, you know, and, and what the what the punchline is going to be in the ins and outs of every story that he tells. But it's still just so good. It is just so, so good. So, I... Maybe... I don't know if you call him the greatest, but Dave Chappelle is definitely my favorite stand-up comedian.
0: I, I think it's perfectly fair to put him in that conversation. Um, so, I'm... I'm a huge fan of stand-up comedy. Like most of the time, when when I'm on Netflix, that's that's what I'm watching. Um, one that I'm really into these days. I'm certainly not putting him out there as one of the greatest of all time, but uh, I, I absolutely love Tom Segura's stand-ups. I'm
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, I, I, I made terrible mistake of watching one of them with my parents in the room one time, and I wouldn't suggest that. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe when uh, when when. It's, it's a good one for like when you're with your buddies or when, when you're with your significant other, but uh, if the kids or the parents are around, maybe skip it. Uh, as far as all-time comedians go, uh, I mean, you have to mention Carlin. Uh, yeah. yep. And uh, I, thankfully, my parents got me into Carlin pretty early, so I, I had a, an appreciation for that from early on. Um, another one that I, I got from... Uh, from my dad, and my uncle specifically, and this was as I was a, a little bit older because the uh, some of the material was kind of dark. But uh, Sam Kinison, uh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone, yeah. every,
0: everyone remembers him for his screaming shtick. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he was actually uh, he was actually a preacher. Prior yeah, he to was. He was a stand-up comedian. Which, if you know that going into it, you can you can see it in in his delivery. But he was an absolutely brilliant comedian. Like the the content was there, yeah. along with the shtick of him him screaming. One of my favorite individual uh, stand up comedy specials of all time. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact title of it. Uh, it might have been live on Broadway, but uh, Robin Williams. Okay, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. The way most of you will remember this special uh, was from what i what i consider to be one of the greatest single comedy bits of all time when robin williams goes into into the invention of the game of golf it doesn't <laughs> matter if you're a golf fan it, it, it he takes we're we gonna it hit
1: it with a straight stick
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, we're gonna hit it with a short little f- up one <laughs> And, and every time you hit the ball, you call it a stroke because it feels like you're going to f***ing die. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's perfect. One other one I want to throw out there just in case anyone's writing these down and, and wants to go listen to them. Uh, if you can find any stand-up specials from uh, a, a now uh, deceased comedian, his name's Patrice O'Neill. I am I firmly believe that he is one of if not the most underrated comedian of all time. His his material's very good, but I have never seen anyone he'll, he'll spend the last 20 or 30 minutes of his shows doing nothing but crowd work. And he is he is so quick and he will come up with entire bits off the top of his head based on his interaction with the crowd. It was it was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I, I've seen a couple of like Comedy Central specials with him and yeah, he Patrice was really good. I, I didn't get to see a whole lot of him before he passed away. I tell you, I tell you another guy um, that I would I would hate to get out of this conversation and not bring up but that was Bernie Mac.
0: Oh, man,
1: Bernie Mac was great.
0: Bernie Mac's comedy DVD. I, oh. I think I think I was in like freshman or sophomore year of high school when that came out, and yeah, so this, was, this was right in the middle of my formative high school years. Like we must have watched that every day for a month straight. Watching
1: that, seeing that before you ever actually see like a Richard Pryor or an Eddie Murphy raw, you know, that was kind of. For little white kid me, that was my introduction to that style of comedy, and Bernie Mac was the one that I came away from thinking, that guy's incredible, you know, if you go back and you look at some of his, like, early stuff, especially uh, his first appearance, I think it was on Def Comedy Jam, uh-huh. that clip is still hilarious his whole his five minute bit is pretty much about nothing but it's him just riffing with the crowd and you know he's very young in his stand-up career but it is incredible i'll have to send you that clip later
0: definitely there's something to be said for for having that sort of showman abilities like whether or not your material is good if you if you connect with the crowd You'll have the meeting out of the palm of your hand for however long you're up there talking, no matter what you're talking about. And Bernie Mac was absolutely one of the experts at that.
1: Now, that being said, his material would absolutely not work today.
0: No. But not a lot of these would. Many yeah. Of the greatest stand up routines of all time, I don't think you could really get away with today. So thank goodness they happened when they happened and we still have them to go back to. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that does it for another episode of the Chatting Average Podcast. Uh, As always, we really appreciate you guys listening, and I hope you enjoyed our interview with Tucker Davidson. Hopefully, we have some more of those kind of things coming up to to bring your way. Uh, As always, you can connect with me and Cam on Twitter. At Average Chatting is the show. Uh, You can give us a call at 678-242-9408. Call us there, leave us a voicemail, or send us a text message. Any of your questions or anything you might want to hear us talk about. So we'll uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks.
3: Bye.
2: With that, we've reached the end of the show. If you want to connect with the show, you can contact us via text or voicemail at 678-242-9408 or on Twitter at Average Chatting. We'll see you all next week on another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast.